Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, good morning. How's everybody doing today? All right. We're continuing our series called Certain, about being certain during uncertain times. And uh, today I'm going to kind of wrap up what we've been talking about. I'm going to tell you where I believe we're at. Um, what I believe is going to happen in the years ahead. And uh, I'm not a prophet or son of a prophet, but the Bible also tells us that we can, um, by looking at what's going on around us, that we will know certain things. So we're going to talk about that. And um, uh, we're going to start in 1 John chapter 2, verses 18. Many times, and I want to I make something clear at the beginning, the Scripture says we're in the last hour. And, and you, might, you could rightly point out, well, that was you know, 2,000 years ago. But the fact is that the moment Jesus ascended back to heaven, we've been in the last hour ever since. Um, you know, we see time a little differently than God does. The Bible tells us that to, to God, a thousand years is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. And so I know every generation has believed that their generation couldn't get any more wicked, and that's, uh, we've, disproven that um, time and again. So um, I want to tell you why I do believe that we're, we truly are in the last hour and even in the last days. And I'm going to tell you why um, I believe that. Now, I don't know what, if that means 10 hours, 10 days, 10 years, or 10 decades. I don't know what that means, but I believe that we're in that time. Everything I'm going to read you today that talks about the last days, you can look around and say that that is true right now. And then there are a couple things that I believe are significant. And so we're going to start, um, we're going to read a few verses where it does talk about specifically the, the last hour. So if you'd please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that the last hour has come. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, one of the things that, that I have hit on in the last few weeks, <clears throat> the Bible talks about the spirit of the Antichrist, that there will be um, many that will have the spirit of the Antichrist. And then the very end, um, after the church has been raptured, there will appear a, a person in the form of an Antichrist who is going to, to be um, the main catalyst for many of the things that are going to happen that trigger the actual second coming of Christ. Um, the, Jesus, I believe Scripture tells in 1 Thessalonians, is coming back to, to rapture the church, and that will be kind of the trigger that will release. The Bible says that he's being held back, and that's by the Spirit of God, and that when the church is gone, uh, those who have the Spirit of Christ in them, that the, the Antichrist will be uh, unleashed onto the world. And right now he is being restrained by the Spirit of God and by that's some of that is through the church that remains today. Um, so that is one of the, the reasons that we're going to know the last hour has come. And part of that is, is that it's been ever increasing as the years have passed recently. In the beginning um, and all throughout the church, there have been those that have taught false doctrine. And now I believe we're at a, here's where the tipping point is is that now I believe there is more false doctrine being taught than there is actually correct doctrine. And that's the tipping point that's happened in my lifetime and in many of yours. 
And so if you were to say, well, well you know, I've, I've, I've got 10 Christian books that I bought off Amazon that says they're Christian, I wouldn't be surprised if only one of them was actually theologically sound, and maybe none, because there is a lot of false teaching that is out there. There's been a lot of uh, uh, trying to pull in the church away from the things of God. To, you know, the Bible tells us in those days that people will not tolerate sound doctrine. They will want their ears tickled. And there's a lot of ear tickling going on, but very little sound doctrine. We've reached a tipping point now where I, I believe, and I don't think it's really even close, there's a lot more that is false doctrine and false teaching than there is actual biblical, by the word, by the book, teaching that is available. And, and that's happened in my lifetime and in yours. In Romans 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verses 28 through 32, since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. Now here's where I believe the tipping point is. There have always been people that have been given over to think and to do foolish things, to think foolish things and to do things that should never be done. But here's where I believe the tipping point is. If you're a believer and you believe in the Word of God, you've had this thought in the last year, six months, or however long it is, you've asked yourself, and may, you know, this is a reference to a DC Comics, I don't know if any of you get it, I don't really read comics, but I know this one. At some point you thought, I'm living in bizarro world, where things are opposite. And here's where the tipping point is. There have always been people that have believed foolish things, their, their minds have been given over to foolish things, and they've done things that should never be done. But we're now in a point in time where the majority in our country believe foolish things. They have allowed bad thinking into their minds, and so you're suddenly hearing things that you're like, how can people believe this is true? And so it's become mainstream now, and we're, those who think clearly along the lines of the Word of God are in a definite minority. That's happened in my lifetime. That is a tipping point that we have crossed. And not only that, that last verse that says, worse they encourage others to do them too. Not only that, but they're, not only are they encouraging them, but they're now forcing them. There was a young man, a teenager, he was a middle schooler, who was expelled from, excuse me, not expelled, suspended from school because he was sexually harassing someone else in his class. It took his parents a week to find out. There's now a lawsuit going on. It was reported, reported in the mainstream news and several outlets. And what he did that was termed as sexually harassing of this person was that apparently he did not use the correct pronouns that they wanted to be referred to. They wanted to be referred to as they and them instead of he or she or whatever. That didn't ever reveal what their biological... And that's why... He was suspended from school 
for sexually harassing someone. That's bizarre and outrageous and wrong. We had a, a doctor, an OBGYN, testify in Congress this last week. It's on the record, in their own words recorded. And someone asked them, do you believe that males can get pregnant and have children? And OBGYN said, yes, I believe males can get pregnant and have children. Here's the problem. It's not that you can't find out this information, but there's no national outrage over it. It barely even made a blip in the news. That is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. That a male can get pregnant and have a child. Every, every 12 year old knows that. And you have a doctor who specializes in pregnancy and babies testifying in Congress that dudes can have babies. Do you understand what I'm saying? And nobody blinked an eye. That's a tipping point. I mean, it, when, 20, 30 years ago, people would have said, who is this lunatic? Not only should they be thrown out and, and why were they even testifying in Congress? They, should they would have lost their medical license within hours of having said that. And now everybody just goes, oh, that's just so affirming. That's beautiful. Affirm the boys to get the babies. It's absolutely ridiculous. And here's the deal. Those kind of things are happening more and more and are more and more accepted. And not only that, but anybody who would come out and say, that's ridiculous that a guy can have a baby while well, you're being bigoted and mean and blah, 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 and unaffirming or whatever else. So not only are they encouraging others to do the same, we're now at a point where the majority believes that's true or to say anything about it is wrong. The people, well, they can believe, you know, that's where we're at. And we've crossed a tipping point in that arena too. So now not only is the majority of teaching bad, but you have foolish thinking that has infiltrated our entire culture to the point that not only are they the majority saying things that are clearly ridiculous, wrong and evil, but anybody who wants to stand up against that is being ostracized and criticized. That's where we are, that's a tipping point. I'm telling you right now, if God doesn't visit judgment on America, He's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah and some other places. We're that bad. And I'm not joking. We're that bad. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money. Once again, I'm asking you, when I come across one thing that doesn't fit our culture to a T, y'all tell me. Raise your hand. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. We had one of our elected representatives talking about how it was religious to support the right to abortion. 
The President of the United States said that was a gift as a, a right as a child of God to be able to murder a child in the womb. That was the President of the United States. You can check me out, check all my sources on that. Look it up. You can hear him say it. The President of the United States said as a child of God, everybody ought to be able to kill their baby. And guess what? Like it never happened. It doesn't even offend people anymore. There have been protests, disruptions inside churches. Do you know, I, I guarantee you, every church, including ours, when the whole thing came out that, you know, there's all kinds of worry about violence that's going to happen if Roe v. Wade is overturned. And the latest news is that it may happen tomorrow. I pray to God it will. That there'll be something that'll happen in this country to slow down the destruction of, of God's creation, his most defenseless creations before they're born. But they're all worried now that there's going to be all this violence. There have already been churches that, are, that people have been trying to disrupt them. And every church, I guarantee you, in America has gotten together and said, okay, what are we going to do if that happens here? Making sure, and I'm, hey, we're probably, we may be the most secure church in America right here. <laughs> I ain't kidding, and we, we're serious about it. We, we have all kinds of security, law enforcement, ex-military, and just some enthusiastic people. <laughs> we got all kinds of security here. But let me tell you something, there was a day where that would have been unthinkable. Where I, as a pastor, I, it never would have crossed my mind. Hey, if something happens with this decision at the Supreme Court, there may be people come and try and disrupt our church service. Never would have occurred to me. Never would have crossed my mind. Would have been nowhere on the radar. And we think about that kind of stuff all the time now. That's the world we live in. Nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that. You know what? Now we're in a, we're in a time now where if you stand up for the things of God, the word of God, you call sin what it is, you're called by other people as being evil. And there are people that, that want to advance these things that are harmful to children that approach it with a religious zeal and talk about having the moral high ground and talk about we all need to do the right thing. There's protest against laws saying that it's... It, it, there's, there have been proposals for laws that would make it illegal to have parents or anyone operate on a child on a sex change operation under 15. And that's controversial now. And there are large groups of people that speak out again. If you're... Are you, if, <sighs> I'm sorry. What do you why would you let a 15-year-old or a 12-year-old or an 8-year-old or a 5-year-old make a decision about something like that? 
We don't even let them choose where they go during the day. What they eat for dinner. No, this is what you're having. And I want ice cream. I don't care what you want ice cream. That's for after dinner. You don't get, you, but you'd let them choose a surgery when they're eight years old. They have no clue what they are, what they're doing. They don't know. And that's controversial now to pass a law. I mean, how ridiculous is that, that that's where we are? They will act religious, but reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Matthew 24, 6 through 12, Jesus is talking. You will hear wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. We're hearing that right now, aren't we? Not only is there conflict going on in Ukraine, but there's what well, may be happening in this country. And is it going to start a war between U.S. and allies and, and Russia? What's going to happen here? There's all kinds of thoughts about that. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There are going to be more wars, not less. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. You know, something that I never would have dreamed that, I've seen, that I would see, I saw this week. My whole life, I've watched about famines in different parts of the world. And I've seen Americans coming together and, and, and we would send by plane food to other parts of the world. Do you know that this week we're having planes coming in bringing us baby formula? Because we don't have enough? I never thought I'd see that in my lifetime. Did you? No. We're having to have other countries bring us food to feed our children. And let me tell you, I, I don't, here's something you need to be aware of. Over the last year or so, fertilizer has doubled, tripled, and quadrupled. And a lot of farmers didn't even fertilize. And what happens when that happens is, the yield drops. And there were national reports came out in the last couple of weeks that the yield of, of wheat, particularly in Kansas and in the, the places in our country where we grow wheat, is down by 40, 50, 60%. The greatest wheat exporter in the world has been the Ukraine. They ain't, they ain't exporting any wheat. There are famines that are coming. There, you think we've been, we haven't seen even the beginning of shortages yet. You know, every time I preach something like this, something comes out in the week ahead that proves, explains it. You know, some of y'all were like, well, are you, why are we riding horses back with Jesus? Well, I heard this week the gas may be $10 a gallon by the end of the week. So we're going to ride horses. <laughs> Only makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> That's a joke. I was trying to line it up just a little bit. Then again, $10 gas probably doesn't make anybody laugh all that much. I get it. But here's the thing, there, there are going to be famines, there are going to be shortages. I'm going to get some good news here, all right? But I really believe that we're, we're, right, we're in this now. We're in this now. There'll be famine and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Then you will be, this isn't the good part, okay, but <laughs> then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you're my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. Another tipping point. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 3. 
Now, the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars. And listen to this, their consciences are dead. In another translation, it says their consciences have been seared. We live in a time now where we have no nationwide conscience any longer. You hear, we hear lie after lie after lie. And you know what? We're accustomed to it. And I'm t- let me, I'm going to tell you something right now. If you think I'm just talking about one party, you're 100% wrong. I'm talking about all of them. All of them. Lies have become, everybody just accepts that we're going to get lied to. There are, there, there's nothing that shames people anymore. America doesn't have the ability to blush any longer. We hear stories about all kinds of depravity. You see it on TV screens. And nobody even thinks about it anymore. It's just part of our culture. It's just the way it is. Consciences are dead. You know, there was a time that if a a leading politician or somebody who was a leader in this country lied about something and then it was found out, they might have had to resign. You know, I know this is going to date you and me. One of the earliest memories I have as a child was of the President of the United States standing up and resigning because of that Watergate scandal. Y'all remember that? Now, that was one of the biggest deals. Everybody in America was talking about that. The President of the United States had to resign. And let me tell you something. We've had way worse than that happen in the last 10, 15 years. And nobody resigned. And as a matter of fact, fact, they're hardly even embarrassed by it anymore. We don't have a conscience anymore. And part of the problem is, is that we, we have allowed the enemy to so divide us as a nation that as long as it's our guy, we'll excuse it and let it go. As long as that other guy doesn't get elected, man, that's, that's pathetic. They will say it is wrong to be married. Marriage has been wrecked in this nation. And wrong to eat certain foods. I never thought in my lifetime, I, when, I, when I would read that, I'd go like, when is that going to happen? Well, in the last few years, we've had people say it's morally wrong to eat cows because it's ruining the environment. Because they pass too much gas or something. But God created those foods to be eaten with thanks by faithful people who know the truth. I'm going to give you all a tip. Eat more steak. It's all right. The Bible says it's okay. But I never thought I'd hear that. Serious talk amongst elected officials talking about reducing emissions by getting rid of animals that we eat. The tipping point is when our consciences were seared. Now, 
I'm going to start getting to some of the good stuff. All right, you ready? I'm going to read to you from a parable of Jesus that talks about the world and the end. Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30. Here's another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. You don't know it for a while. And you know, a lot of the things, if you've been around for a while, a lot of things that are going on today, I, I can trace them back. Man, I remember when people were telling me that was a big deal. And that little thing didn't, didn't seem like a big deal. But now I look back and I'm like, but this is what it led to. And then it led to that and it led to that. And then it led to that. Now here we are. As it matures, you start to see the difference. But here's the deal. They were so intermingled. Here's what you got to know. The people of the evil one. That's, and I'm not calling people evil. I'm talking about the people of the evil one. That Satan is deceived. Or that follow his ways. Or that have rejected the things of God. They're going to flourish, mature, and ripen into the wicked Wickedest, most lustful, most terrorizing, most idolatrous, most selfish generation in the history of the world. That's what they're going to become. I think we're in the middle of that generation right now. And we're all included in it. But here's the other part. Here's the good part. I know you're like, well, that, that just don't sound like good news. I know he said that. <laughs> here's the good news. At the same time, the people of the kingdom, the people of the church are going to mature and flourish and ripen and are going to grow as we move into our destiny of becoming the most powerful, godly, miracle-working, radiant body of believers the world has ever known. Because here's the deal. You know what Jesus said? On this, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I don't care about all that negative stuff that I believe is going to happen. The church is going to not only survive, it's going to prevail. The church is going to rise. Now, there are going to be a lot of those churches that don't refuse to teach the Word of God, refuse to stay true to the Word of God, they're going to fall to the side. But the real church of God is going to be purified because it's going to be harder to be in it and to follow Jesus. But the ones that do, are going to see some things. And they're going to be a part of God growing them up into, into the most, I believe, the most productive days of the church. In Acts 2, 16 through 21, Peter is referring to a prophecy of the prophet Joel. Now what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. 
The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. Now, he's talking somewhat about the second coming of Christ, which happens after the rapture. But when he's talking about pouring his spirit out on the servants of God, that's before the church rapture. And that's during, I think, the time that's coming right now. <clears throat> you know, one of the things I've seen in my lifetime, <clears throat> and just over the last 20 years in particular, have been churches that stray away from the Word of God, shrivel up on the vine. But churches that stay true to the Word of God, God's blessing them in supernatural ways. And we're going to see increase in that kind of activity in the days ahead. It's coming. Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. So here's what I think is the best part. And here's why our, our greatest challenge in the days ahead are going to be to trust Jesus. Because it's, it's, it's going to be easy to get panicked. Hey, if you're looking around right now, it's easy to get panicked, isn't it? I mean, if people start talking about, man, gas may be this price, you start adding that up. Hey, let me give you a little tip. It's just a little thing from your pastor. Here's what, I'm gonna, here's what I do. Here's what I've done before, and I'm going to do it again starting right now. I'm filling my tank up as soon as I hit a half gallon, yeah, half a tank. And it don't seem like I'm putting that much money into it then. It's almost going to be back like it was before. Now, maybe I got to do a little more often, but I'm, I'm going to forget that part. And I'm going to just fill it up when I got half a tank still. And then I'm going to go, that wasn't too bad. And then I'm going to drive off and I'm going to be happy. That's a little mental trick you can try for yourself. That was for free. Just throwing that in there. But here's how we can, here, here's why we should hope and have hope. No matter how difficult the days ahead get. And here's, here's something I've been convicted about. You know what? The, the fear that I'm going to lose my lifestyle, the fear that I have over that, and I, I, at certain times, and I'm sure you do too, is an indication that we're probably hanging on to our lifestyle a little too much. And we need to hang on to Jesus. Now, I get it. That's hard to do. But we gotta, we gotta learn how to trust. We're gonna learn to, that's one of the things the church is gonna do to, as it's purified, is we're gonna learn to trust Jesus more even than we do now. And here's why we can. 2 Peter 2, 5, and God did not spare the ancient world except for Noah and the seven others in his family. Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment. That's something we're gonna have to do. So God protected Noah when he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood. And then on down to 2 Peter 2, 7 and 9, but God rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day. We got to stop excusing wickedness. It should torment our soul. So you see, here's what I want you to see. So you see, the Lord knows 
how to rescue godly people from their trials, even while keeping the wicked under punishment till the day of final judgment. That is a warning from Peter to us. Yeah, there are going to be days of judgment coming. I believe there's going to be either a supernatural or a man-made catastrophe. It may be financial that's coming. Like I said, I don't know if that's coming in 10 days, 10 weeks, 10 years, or 10 decades. I don't know. But you cannot continue to build on a faulty foundation and not expect the house to collapse. It says in, the, in Proverbs, when the foundations are gone, what can the righteous do? The foundations of our society have been crumbling away a bit at a time by the evil that we've allowed to, to happen in this country. And there is going to be a collapse. And I, I'm not going to jump up and say it's going to be fun, but here's what I'm going to say. I want to repeat what Peter said. So you see, no matter what bad may come, no matter what hardship, no matter what difficulty, the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials, even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of final judgment. So here's what we got to keep doing is hanging on to Jesus. It's hanging on to Jesus. It's trust him. Because here's the thing, we all know this deep down, but we have a hard, we all struggle living it. He's the only thing you can trust. He's the only one you can trust. You can't trust the economy. And I want to tell you one other thing. <clears throat> I, don't hear, I don't care who we elect the next president. He can't save us. He can't save this country. Only Jesus can. And you know what? It might take some kind of collapse like that for people to be willing to hear the gospel of Jesus. And then as hard as it would be, it'd be worth it. But remember that your God is able. He's able to deliver you. He's able to see you through. He's able to watch over you and your kids and their kids. Because he's God. And he never fails. He can see us through. I don't know what, you know, I, I'd like to tell you that, hey, I know this or that or whatever. I, I don't know. But I'm telling you what, if you look, you can see things coming. But what I'm saying is we got to look beyond that and keep our eyes on the one who already knows what's coming and trust him to see us through. As believers... As concerning as a lot of those things are, it should also give us hope. Because you know what? When, when certain of those things start happening, Jesus is going to come back for us. And we're going to go to a place that he's created for us. And we're going to be in his presence. Where there'll be no want, no suffering, no worry, no fear, no sin, no, no, no nothing. Except all that is good and so much that we've not even been able to imagine that God has prepared for us. We've got to look at it differently. And you know what? One of the first things maybe we got to look at is, <clears throat> well, what if I lose this? Well, what if I lose that? So what? 
what I'm going to be able to hang on to and what I'm going to have even at the end of all that is worth far more than anything I could ever lose here on this earth. God's good. He's going to be good to you. He's going to be faithful to you. And He will never fail you. That's what I want you to remember in the days ahead. And you know what? Here's the other part. Man, the church, the church, and that's you. We're going to see God do some things that hadn't been seen before. We're going to see God, through His church, prevail. No matter what the odds are, no matter how difficult it is, because that's what God does. So hang on to Jesus. Now, Part of our mission is going to be this, and that's to tell people that don't know Christ how to know Him. And if you're here, and if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, we want to give you an opportunity to have one. See, here's the deal. When you get to heaven, He's not going to ask what country you're from. Not, not going to matter. He's not going to ask what church you were a member of. He's not going to ask how many times you went to church. He's going to ask, there's one question that you have to answer. Do you know Jesus? You have a relationship with Him. That's that's the only question that matters. And if you don't have a relationship with Christ, we would love to help you begin one. And so in just a moment, I want to lead you through a prayer of salvation. And there's three parts of it, and this is the important thing. Number one, we've all sinned. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody in here sinned, me included. you got to ask forgiveness of your sins. Number two, you got to believe that Jesus is God's Son. That He died on the cross for your sins and that He rose on the third day according to Scripture. It's not enough to say, yeah, I think He was a, a cool teacher, cool guy. He's God's Son, period. And then the last thing, it tells us in Romans 10, 9, and 10 that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And so if you'd like to know that your sins are forgiven, if you'd like to know that you have a right relationship with God, that you're at peace with Him, and if you'd like to know that you're going to be with Him in heaven for all eternity, I want to lead you in just a brief prayer of salvation so you can begin a relationship with Christ. I'm going to ask everyone to bow your heads, close your eyes. You can repeat this after me. Pray it in your own words. You can just pray it in your heart. God will hear you. If that's you and you want to know that your sins are forgiven, that you're right with Him, you pray this with me right now. Dear God, thank you for loving me and thank you for Jesus. God, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and life. Cleanse me. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose on the third day according to scripture. So today, I trust Jesus as my savior and I confess him as my Lord. Now, if you prayed that prayer, here's all I'm gonna ask you to do. You don't have to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to say anything in front of other people. 
If you prayed that prayer today any minute, all I want you to do is look up at me so I can pray for you and encourage you. Just look up at me and keep looking until I see you. Okay? All right. Okay, see you. So here's what I want to do. I want to encourage you to let someone know. And we would love to know about your decision to follow Christ. Immediately after the service, there'll be a pastor here at the front. And we'd love for you to come tell us today if you'd like to. If you're here with your parents, you need to tell your mom or dad, whoever brought you, that you prayed that prayer. If you'd like to, there's a number on the screen. You can just text, I did it to that number. And we would love to get in touch with you and answer any questions that you have and talk to you about the next steps in following Jesus. We're not going to ask you for anything. We're not going to put you on a mailing list. We'd love for you to come back to church, but even if you choose to go somewhere else, we just want to help and we want to encourage you. So we'd love to hear from you. So I want to pray for you right now and pray for all of us that God will give us strength and courage to face no matter what may come and to trust Him even when it's hard. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness and your love for us. Father, I pray that, God, as, as these have come to you today, trust you as their Savior and Lord, that, Father, you would fill them with your Spirit, that you would, Lord, help them to just rejoice in the fact that all their sins are forgiven. And, Lord, help them to find the right church, the right place to grow, and to follow you. Lord, we thank you for allowing us to be a part of their journey. Father, I pray for each of us, Lord, that you would give us courage for the days ahead, no matter what they look like, no matter what happens, no matter what occurs. Father, we would trust you and make the decision to trust you no matter what. Father, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.